Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Threecast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are my pals, my lads, Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about some new comics, but first we have to discuss the publishing line at DC coming out of Future State. So here's what we know. We know that Future State is taking all of January and uh, February at DC, and then DC has been slowly leaking out these little bits of information about books that are um, that are going to be coming after. And some of these things are not surprising. Some of them are, are, are quite surprising. And so I just want us to sort of talk through all the announcements and get your opinions on them. And uh, I, I, I think I speak for all of us when I say we're pretty excited about this. And I want to temper that a little bit. But first, let's just talk about the announcements. So um, I, I guess we'll just go in release order here. Uh, I know that's not Vince's preferred order, but this just makes the most sense to me. Um, <laughs> the first book uh, announced is uh, Suicide Squad number one, written by Robbie Thompson, illustrated by Eduardo Pensica, uh, who did these. This is the creative team behind the um, the Future State uh, Suicide Squad book. Uh, That'll and, be a running theme. <laughs> yes, yes, you will notice that that yeah. is a running theme. Um, um, Robbie Robbie Thompson was just on Teen Titans a bit, right? Yes, he was. Okay. Uh, and this is the first of what will also be a theme, which is seeing sort of Warner Brothers properties, Warner Brothers film and television properties being highlighted among these books. And so the Suicide Squad team will have Peacemaker leading... Uh, Task Force, Force X, and they're bringing in Talon from the Court of Owls as a member. And they're also teasing recruiting Superboy. Now, you mean Calvin Rose? Talon? I believe I believe Calvin Rose. They they did not specify specify which Talon, but I can only imagine that it is indeed your friend and mine, Calvin Rose. Um, it also teases bringing about Superboy. Now, I because continuity, etc. I do not know if that means Connell or Jonathan Kent. I would presume Connell, but who knows? What if, what if it's that <laughs> Superboy from the Future State, just uh, Suicide Squad? Oh, yeah. yeah. What if I don't it's know how that, that would work? <laughs> what if it's the What if it's the new Fifty Two? Uh... What if it's Superboy <laughs> fucking Prime? I was just gonna say that. <laughs> Oh, it should man. be that. It, it should, should be. That. be. It, it should, should be Superboy be. Prime. Yes, it should. They be. won't because they only use him for like eventy type stuff. Right. But right. It should be. Yes. Isn't this funny? How this is like. So the Rebirth Suicide Squad. The um uh Rob Williams. Yeah, the yes. Rob Williams one. Jim Lee joint came out uh, right around the same time as that incarnation of uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, film was coming out and it completely mirrored that and now we have this book as Peacemaker and Suicide Squad is just like a uh, it's just the the sign of the times you know so it, it's just whatever the zeitgeist is yeah it's the third member of the trinity <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the end of the most recent run in a little bit um and while I do wish that we were getting more from um, Tom Taylor with the Suicide Squad, I also recognize that Tom Taylor's talents are probably better suited elsewhere at DC right now. 
and he uh, has an announcement coming soon. He's teased. Yes, he does. So we will see. I am I am starting to be a believer in the Tom Taylor's taking over the Justice League uh, rumor, but we'll see. Mm, I could I could see that. Um, but yeah, a- any thoughts on the Suicide Squad, particularly? Well, this is going to be one of the few times where I'm not going to sound optimistic about any of this because, like, nothing against the creative team or whatever, but just in concept alone, it has me wishing that the Tom Taylor Suicide Squad was still going. Um, I know that's not fair. I I know that's not fair to it, whatever. But you you just you do look at the concept for this, and 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 to me, I think like not as exciting as what ju- we just got. So yeah, I I would agree. That said, in terms of like Suicide Squad corporate synergy, this is maybe the most interesting looking thing that we've had in a while. Like this is actually even like. Uh, well, okay. This is like a different fork in the road. That's because that, you're that, the like, James Gunn boy, by the way. <laughs> that Tom Taylor took. You know, like Tom Taylor took he, it. He took the road of not traveled. Yes. Yeah, but th- this is this is like the first non Harley Quinn Deadshot, Killer Croc, those guys. You know, this is this is like moving away from that in another direction, which I'm down for. Sure. Yeah, yeah I, I was gonna say this feels like the first. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess there's kind of been a, a peeling back of this, right? Like the Tom Taylor version had Harley and it had Deadshot, but it didn't have Killer Croc, it didn't have El Diablo, it didn't have a lot of the movie characters, mm-hmm. and then this seems to completely eliminate those movie characters for the most part. Uh, and we don't have a ton of information yet about it, but you know that seems to be. The, the trend here and so it does seem like the beginning of a new era but like vince said before it's also the beginning of a new era that happens to coinc- coincidentally you know line up with a feature film and television series coming to hbo max next year so it's going to be interesting to see how closely this hues to that to that new status quo but the uh, the second book that was announced was Swamp Thing from Ram V and Mike Perkins. This is a limited series, which I did not realize at first, a 10-issue limited series. Um, and it is, again, the Future State team. And it um, we don't have a ton of information about the book just yet. And so I'm not sure if this is going to be uh, a, a... And again, we should also state... You know, we've heard a lot about this omniverse idea. So we don't know if all these books are in continuity with each other or if they're taking place in the same time frame. We really have no information about the plot of these books in terms of how they all fit together. So do you guys get a sense of sort of what this Swamp Thing book is going to be? To me, this is the... I mean, think about your uh, Raven, Daughter of Darkness... What's that? <laughs> I, I I fucked up. I I thought you said, "Do you remember?" Instead of "Think of you," and I said, "President Nixon," like from uh, <laughs> Young Americans. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, no, just like your your Raven Daughter of Darkness. Like to me, this this is one hundred percent in that mold where like 
it's a it could take place in continuity or not but it's not gonna when you read it it's not gonna matter or occur to you that it is or not you know it's it's just like one of those books to me which which dc has done since the new 52 started right um they've done these little mini series that like could take place at any time it doesn't matter I'm not sure I agree with that. Well, why do you say that? What do you have to go on? I, I have two things to go on. Well, well th- three things, okay? First of all, um, Swamp Thing had that DC Universe show that was canceled before it even started because of production costs, but has been, re- been rebroadcast on the CW and has been getting good notices from folks who didn't see it the first time. Swamp Thing has also become a much more vital member of the comics, as of late, like we see him as a major player in death metal. He's one of the sort of heroes in the past in, uh, what's it, I was going to call it Forever Winter, but that's not what it's called. Um, Endless Winter. Endless Winter. Uh, he's sort of one of the, the players like in the past from there. And I think that they're sort of seeing that maybe, maybe this idea, and this is a very New 52 idea, but like the darker characters, maybe we're going to see a renewed focus on them. I think also because Ram V is writing Justice League Dark, that it seems like they're deciding that he is maybe the guy to shepherd the dark corner of the DC universe right now. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to me like he's too big of a name. Not that Ram V is Grant Morrison or anything, but you know, he's too big of a name right now to be relegated to that Raven Daughter of Darkness slash ragman slash penguin pain and prejudice like all those <laughs> books we're talking about he just seems like yeah. it, it, it's he's too big of a name to be that what this reminds me of and not just because mike perkins is on art but it kind of reminds me of what they did with the jimmy olsen and lois lane series where they were sort of in continuity limited series almost treated like prestige books but still tied tying back loosely to the main continuity, but sort of existing in their own little realm. So not as detached as that Raven Daughter of Darkness type sure. of book. Well, I hope it's that. Yeah, I, th- I think this will be important simply because Ram V is also writing Justice League Dark. So, yeah, um, which well, I guess gets into one of the other announcements yes uh zermanico on art ram v on writing uh just i i I don't even think they're renumbering that i think that's just going to continue uh uh, in the current numbering yes i think i think you're right yeah i really thought that everything that wasn't action or detective or maybe wonder woman and the flash those those all got the legacy numberings recently Mm -hmm. you know I thought anything that wasn't those would be rebooted number-wise, but we're not seeing that. Um, no. Well, we really the only outlier right now, I don't know if we know for a fact about Justice League Dark. It might get a new number one, but the only other one that we don't know about or that we know about that's not getting renumbered is one we'll talk about here in a bit, but the, several of them are getting renumbered. But But all of those seem to be books that either weren't running or officially wrapped up beforehand. Like, Suicide Squad's last issue came out, whereas Justice League Dark never announced a last issue. And Mm -hmm. I guess Harley did as well. Yes. Green Lantern won't have ended yet, but it will be ending. Yes, and the Green Lantern is not necessarily the ongoing Green Lantern Lantern series, right? Right, right. Yeah. 
Okay, next up is Wonder Woman, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad with Travis Moore on art. Um, and again, these are the Future State uh, writer and artist. And um, the, the, the sort of solicit reads like this. In this new story arc, Diana has to endure endless fighting and partying as she tries to figure out why she's in Valhalla and why nobody seems surprised that she's there. Is anybody else getting between the Immortal Wonder Woman title? Is that what the name? Immortal in the Future State? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of getting Jason Aaron, Thor, King of Thunder. Was that the name of the series? I had the three different time periods in Thunder. it. God, God of Thunder. Thunder. Sorry, God Thunder. Yeah. Uh, but was that the one that had the, the sort of three different time periods in it? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm kind of getting a like an old like an old man Thor vibe from this from these stories. Sure. That would that, be awesome. That's fun. I'm also I when I first saw this and saw Michael W. Conrad, I was thinking Will Conrad, <laughs> um, which is very different. Yeah, um, even if it's the good Will Conrad, it's still different. Yeah, still different. Um, yeah, no, this sounds rad. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, DC is still doing 5G, you guys. <laughs> oh yeah. If yeah. You, if you didn't know from all of this, yeah, 5G is real. It's still happening. <laughs> and this this Wonder Woman, I feel like like so. My idea about this whole thing is that you know when Jim Lee said we're not doing 5G. Uh, he was lying, but he can he can get away with saying it. First of all, that's the smartest thing for him to say from a business perspective, right? Yes. But he can get away with saying it because I'm certain that whatever the plans were for 5G, you know, whether it was called that or not, the plans have changed. But a lot of the same stuff is still happening. Like, for instance, we 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 it was rumored that the heroes were going to be aged up as part of the post death metal thing to kind of create this generational timeline so that like Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman would be their proper age uh, or some approximation of which in relation to all the other generations. Right. Well, that doesn't look like it's happening anymore. And that's probably for the best when it although, comes to sales. Although, although, uh-huh. We're going to talk about a book in the back half that makes mention to to Batman doing something to a, a character 21 years ago, which is a much longer time period than five years ago. Right. Or so even what 10 I, years ago. What I'm saying is like that and the Wonder Woman pitch both sound like ideas that are that that kind of go along with that aging up idea except uh-huh. they've they've fudged it in retrospect yeah. so we're not we're not really gonna get that but a lot of these story ideas are clearly along those lines and are left over from that right it's, it's omniverse they can it, do whatever they want or it's omniverse yeah but the point the point is is that like stealthily they are basically doing what we kind of expected them to do well, they're even more so having their cake and eating it too, which they're, is great. I yes, think that's ab- great. absolutely they are doing the sort of five G stories that we were excited about, but they're doing them in such a way where they're not writing out of continuity or aging up or whatever their most bankable characters. And it's so you, all new, all different Marvel. Yes, essentially. All but 
but probably with less continuity. E- e- sure, yeah. 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 Which is maybe okay. Maybe we don't have to have an explanation for why Steve Rogers is 80 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, all right, so let, let's move on to, to the next title, which is Teen Titans Academy, number one, written by Tim Sheridan, illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. And this is uh, my, my first nitpick of the uh, of the bunch here. You know, the, 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 the pedant has logged on because the solicit refers to um, the original Teen Titans as being uh, Starfire, uh, Nightwing, Cyborg, Raven, and Beast Boy. Those are not the original Teen Titans. The original Teen <laughs> Titans are Robin, Speedy, Wonder Girl, etc. But I'll, I'll leave it be. Um, but so it's it's that group. Those fools. How dare yeah, they? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, me, an intellectual. Uh, actually, there were two <laughs> generations of Teen Titans before them. But that's okay. Um, but yeah, you know, it's um, it's a cool idea that those characters are now training the next generation of heroes. And they're tying in this character, Red X, that appeared, I believe, in the the Teen Titans animated series from the early aughts, correct? That's a yes. that's that character that's from that series. I've never yeah. seen that series, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but I know that that's a fan favorite character, and so this is again like a cagey way of bringing in a DC property from outside the comics and connecting it to what's going on right now, and. Yes, that is cravenly corporate in one on one hand, but on the other, I, I don't see anything wrong with attempting to get people to read these comics. And I don't know if there's people out there who are big enough Red X fans who have never read a comic before to dig into this, but do you guys see anything wrong with this approach? Oh, no, I think it's cool. I mean, I don't even have like a. I I never watched that Teen Titans show either, but I know it's really popular, and there were a lot of people talking about it on Twitter when it got announced. So, um, no, I think it's cool. I think it's a good idea for a Teen Titans book too. Um, and Rafa Sandoval is a great artist. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's good. Yeah, I feel the same way, and in fact, I'm always surprised when we come across a uh, character or concept that debuted in the animated world that hasn't already been mined in the comics. I'm, I'm always, I'm always surprised that there's still stuff left, you know, it's like the phantasm yeah. thing too. Like I cannot believe that phantasm hasn't been used already. Yeah. Uh, we will discuss her being used in various ways uh, oh, later in the show. Absolutely. Uh, all right, next up is the announcement that I sort of missed somehow, which is Batman Superman is being relaunched with number 16 uh, under Gene Lu and Yang and Ivan Reyes, which is, like, to me, that is the perfect combination of, like, a writer who's a critic's darling and an artist who's a really popular artist. So it's, like, it's it's the best of both worlds for for DC in terms of attracting an audience for this book. Yeah, this is, uh, this is big news. I think this is good. Are you at all surprised about this? Um, no. Yeah. 
I'm actually more surprised that Reyes is on the book than Yang, I think. Um, mostly because uh, Gene Lu and Yang is doing the future state Batman Superman. Uh, so that follows this trend. Um, but attaching attaching Ivan Reyes to the book, I think it lends it uh, a degree of... Um, uh, it's just it's signaling that like DC cares about this book mm-hmm. you know look at the projects that he's been on over the last like five to ten years he was on uh, Superman with Bendis before that he was on Justice League of America with Orlando which got a really big push um, and then before that he was on I guess he did he was still doing stuff with Johns um, so he, he really only kind of goes to like whatever the you know, it, you know, among the like most high-profile books at, at the time, so that's pretty. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. For for Yang to kind of get that, you know, that level of recognition from DC and and kind of being put on what seems to be like a flagship book. Not that he hasn't been on flagship books before, but it was always in kind of a you know, he he wrote. Superman, but it was in the midst of all of that, um, the, the kind of the mess at the end of the New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. The the Greg Pak, uh huh, which um, I enjoyed. I enjoyed oh yeah, that, that stuff. stuff was great. It, but it was kind of a mess. <laughs> it was a mess because it was so clearly, it was trying to be different in a in a way that I think we like, mm-hmm. but in a way that that DC was quickly trying to pivot away from also. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it always, it always felt like that. It always felt like that was just a placeholder for the actual return to classic Superman that we know came basically right after that era. Mm -hmm. It always felt like it, it always felt like they were just dying to get back to that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I also forgot that Reyes was on the Terrifics, which is funny yes. because that was, but that was before Yang was on the book. <laughs> that was right. Oh, wow. was on. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I totally forgotten about that. So, you know me, I I love Gene Lu and Yang. I think he's one of the most talented people in comics. Um, basically, everything he touches turns to gold, even if it's unlikely. Like, mm. like the Terrifics was perpetually in this state of being like just okay to 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 fine (laughs) and i think when he came on the book he did some really interesting things with it not that it was like again it it never made it to the top of my pile but every time i checked in with it when he was writing it it was always doing something different or it was there were these little character beats all over it that were just so true they they rang so true with these like c-list characters that DC hadn't done anything with in a while, you know, and I think he's just so good at that stuff. His new Superman is like probably one of my favorite post. I mean, definitely one of my favorite post uh, new 52 or later runs of anything. Um, I, yeah, I'm excited to see him play in this world. Cause like basically everything he touches is gold to me. Well, and, and we know he does a great Superman having, you know, both his like previous stint on on Superman and New Superman, but then having done Superman Smashes the Clan, which seems yes. like was a big 
you know, darling for DC. So I think Batman Superman should be the Superman smashes the clan Superman and uh, a Batman. And the 1939 Batman. Batman to go with yes. the uh, generations motif here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Or, or, or the Adam West one. <laughs> bon voyage, pussy. Um, <laughs> the greatest, the greatest line in cinema history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also announced, uh, new Detective Comics team, starting with 1034, uh, Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora, off of the Dark Detective Future State book. And this is, to me, the most exciting of the announcements. And here's why. I don't want to take anything away from any of the other books. I, I am legitimately interested to check out all of these books. But this is the book that, to me seems like the combination of the highest profile talent but also the biggest shift like gene yang and ivan reyes doing work together is not expected but it's not both those guys have been working at dc for the last couple of years and mariko tamaki and you know mariko tamaki has been around dan mora has not been around at dc but this just seems like these are two creators who are universally regarded as sort of some of the best of their generation being put together on DC's flagship title. It just seems to me like this is a, like this is them planting their stake saying we're doing new stuff. Mm-hmm. No, this is good. Awesome. This is, this is the best one. Maybe. Okay. Not the best one. I, I won't say it's the best one, but it's, because the the Yang Reyes one is also really good, but actually no, this is equally as good, and this is going to be the one that makes all all the right people mad. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. And um, you know, I'm I'm a huge Tamaki fan as well. Dan Mora too. Um, I recently, you know, Tamaki's Wonder Woman hasn't been my favorite thing. Uh, but everything else she's done has been so good. And uh, for some reason, I, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, I think they're going to kill it on this. Um, I think they're going to absolutely murder this book in a good way. Uh, I think it's going to kick all kinds of ass. It, it just it just seemed like a really smart pairing of people. It seems like a really smart, yeah. creative team to put together. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see how it might differentiate itself from Tanyan's uh, Batman. And also really excited to see kind of how they live together and, and kind of weave in and out. Um, I, I expect to get a, a pretty fun crossover out of this maybe at some point. I wonder how much of that we're going to see. Uh, that's a good. I'm sure we'll still see it. So here, here's my question: Are we gonna see a third Batman ongoing? I'm probably sure. Here's why: I, I think that you know, if you look at Future State, the Dark Detective book is the Bruce Wayne book, and that team is going on tech. But we know that Tynion's gonna stay on Batman, and he's not going to shift to a new Batman. He's going to be writing Bruce stories. And so I feel like if this new Batman from the um, 
from future the State. next Batman, the next Batman. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't mean the title new Batman. It's just the, the this new person under the cowl. If they want to keep that going, I just think that that person is going to need an ongoing. Unless they mm-hmm. make him like the Batman of the Justice League, maybe then you don't need an ongoing. But it just seems to me like this is too big of a character to have a new inner incarnation of and not have their own series. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we got another Bat book. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a couple of Bat books. Um, you know, if they go, if there is like, depending on like how big the Omniverse is, I would not be surprised if we had like, you know, Batman Tech, next Batman, like um, a Batman Year One book that's just like old the, the Batman when he's young. You know. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a new Batman Beyond book. Um, they could just they could do as many Batman books as they as they want. In fact, they have a license to do more Batman books now than they ever have. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I could see that. Hmm. That Batman Year One book both sounds terrible and good. Yeah. <laughs> Depends. Uh, it all depends who's Tom, on, obviously. Tom King and Jorge Fornes. <laughs> I, I'll take half of that, please. You're a real sicko, Zach. <laughs> you have a sick mind. All right, let, let's let's get to these last two and then move on to our our new comics roundup. Uh, first up, we have Harley Quinn being relaunched by Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rosmo. Um, any any hot takes on this? I mean, Rosmo anything anything I, Rosmo does, yeah. yeah. Rosmo on a Harley Quinn book sounds really fun. I don't know Stephanie Phillips. Do I? Um, uh, maybe. If I'm not mistaken, hang on. Be- before I say anything, let me look something up here. Uh, Vince, talk for a second. Or Zach, somebody. Um. Well, I think it's just I, I think it's nice to have a, a new uh, name on the character. I think like I feel like this might give us a chance to to get a new sort of spin on the character a little bit. I, I feel like we've been even with the Sam Humphreys uh, one, which that's a book that I I liked from time to time. Um, I feel like it was still very much in a same or similar voice to the, uh, Palmiotti and Connor stuff. Sure. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering if this is a, you know, another opportunity to maybe get away from that a little bit. So it, uh... Stephanie Phillips, sorry, Zach, uh, came in number two in our breakout writer voting for this year, which folks can cool. read on multiversitycomics.com right now. And, um, so that, that's a good sign. And she's, she's done, uh, in 2020, I believe she did three books, uh, one of which was a detective story, one of which was a demonic like horror story, and one of them is a um, I'm sorry, four books. One's like a, a pirate book, and one was a political thriller. So it seems like a pretty diverse yeah. group of, of comics there. So I like the idea of somebody coming onto Harley Quinn that isn't afraid to make it something that isn't just the next in line of that Palmiotti Connor incarnation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm looking at her website now, too, and it looks like she has done some work for DC in the anthology books. Um, she did the... She was in the Crimes of Passion and the Cybernetic Summer uh, anthologies, which I think may have been this year. I believe they were. But I could be mistaken as well. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, even if it's somebody that I'm not super familiar with, I usually trust our staff yeah. to, to have to have an you know an ear to the ground when it comes to good stuff. And so the fact that they voted her so high is is a good sign for me. Um, but yeah, and then the the final book that was announced in this first batch is um, I don't want to say it, it, it's the least surprising one because I feel like Green Lantern books have been just going through a weird a weird phase ever since the most recent ongoing wrap, which was how long ago now? I I think Green Lantern yeah has been in a weird phase like ever since John's left. Yeah, I think Green probably. Lantern's been in a weird phase since the end of Blackest Night. <laughs> <laughs> but we know that Jeffrey Thorne and Tom Rainey, who, once again, you'll notice the theme continuing, were the team on the Future State Green Lantern. will be relaunching Green Lantern in April. Uh, and apparently going to focus on Jon Stewart um, because Jeffrey Thorne has uh, voiced on Twitter how much he hates Hal Jordan and thinks he's a dumb bad character the most boring green lantern of all he has people said. are pissed off at that again like the right people are upset about that <laughs> yes yes it's, it's 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 fine if he doesn't like hal jordan you guys there are plenty of hal jordan stories and hal is going nowhere there will be plenty of yes, yes there yeah. will be in the future as well yes um this is another book that um, kind of going back to Suicide Squad at the beginning, I feel like this is another book that maybe is going to line up with some of the Warner Brothers, HBO corporate synergy, maybe in some good ways. Um, you know, we, we already know this book is going to have John kind of at the head. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it features, you know, like Jessica or... Or Simon, or I mean, Alan I Scott. even, I, yeah, Alan Scott. That that would be cool. I even, you know, like mentioned in in chat with you guys. You know, what if what if Joe shows up in this um, to some capacity? I, I feel like this will be a great opportunity to focus on other Green Lanterns who aren't Hal Jordan. I think maybe DC is kind of getting wise that. Uh, Hal's just not that great. Well, you say that, but did you see the creative team on Future State Green Lantern 2, the Hal Jordan story? No. Hang on a second. Um, so in the first issue, there's a Guy Gardner story, and there is a, um, just, just a Jessica Cruz. story, right? Yeah. In the second issue, there is a Hal Jordan story, and... That Hal Jordan story is written by none other than Christopher Priest and is illustrated by none other than Dexter Soy. Of... I did see that. And so that is a really fun. Soy face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dexter Soy face. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, oh man, we have to bring that into the vernacular here. The Dexter Soy face <laughs> um, is the Dexter Soy face though. What the first time I ever saw Dexter Soy was when he worked on um, Captain, the, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, yeah, and that first issue, all of the characters who aren't Captain Marvel look like scrolls. They all have like <laughs> scroll chins. That's Soy face. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's a second Green Lantern book as well. Well, if if Priest wants to do Hal Jordan yeah. and go off. Well, sure, especially be, because because Priest wrote Hal Jordan in Action Comics Weekly in the 80s. Oh, man, you're right. And oh. so so this is a return to him you know, back when he was going by Jim Owsley. This is a return to him. It's an old character for him. So if he wants to, to re revisit that, fuck yeah, man, I'm in. Abs- absolutely, that's Dude, fine. Yeah, I, I it, yeah, okay. I just said I didn't need any more Hal Jordan stories, but could you imagine uh, Christopher Priest taking Hal Jordan on a similar ride that he took Slade Wilson on? Yeah, for for like Please. fifty issues. It's not going to happen. It's we're we're not lucky enough. He's probably not interested in doing that again, but. Man, that would probably be good, right? <laughs> oh yeah, no. Yeah. Like just tear tear him down, bring him back up, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hal doesn't have any kids to be naked in front of though, unless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he could. Be, I mean, like Hal's a Hal's kind of a dog. Like he probably has some <laughs> some some children out there that he doesn't know about. <laughs> I can't believe that story hasn't been done yet. I kind of haven't either, um, but don't you know Priest is the one to do it? He oh, is, yeah. yeah. It'll be some very awkward... Uh, he'll get canceled again. For those that don't great. remember, I, I did a very in-depth interview with Priest at the end of Deathstroke, and he said some stuff in that interview, and I had reached out through DC to say, like, hey, hey, dude, do you want to do you want to amend some of those things? And he just doubled down. And I, <laughs> I fully, and like, this is all in print. This is, none of this is behind the scenes. Like I, when I wrote the piece, I wrote like, I included the emails I sent to priest. I, I wanted to make it very transparent. And as soon as I hit publish on that, I was like, and three, two, one, here comes the angry emails. Not a single comment. No one tweeted about it. No one emailed me about it. Nobody commented <laughs> on the piece. Everybody kind of well, no t- one read it. So. Well, that's probably true. Even though I was, I worked very hard on that. But I bet nobody read it. But but what's funny is like I, I, I read it. I remember. I, I did read it too. Yes. I remember literally the next article I posted was some like it wasn't this because this book probably wasn't being published at the time, but something like the second volume of Raven Daughter of Darkness number four preview, and it got like 40 tweets about it. And I was like, motherfucker, there is no justice in the world. You know what? DC would have preferred it that way, too. That's probably true. That's probably true. In All fact, right. they probably had you shadow banned. Now, I actually, I do think I remember seeing, like, uh, it might have been, like, CBR, Newsarama, or someone, I, I think, linked to our our article so your article i should i should even say multiversity's article so i i think it i think i think it was seen yeah no i was expecting blowback from it um priest had said that when he originally read the judas contract he was more offended by uh the cigarette smoking in it than the fact that slade was having sex with a teenager 
Well, he's just like the lead singer of Trapped, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vince, have you seen uh, that today? Yes, I did. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, general thoughts about this this line of comics. So it's far. good. I think yeah. it's good. I'm 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 pretty thrilled that we're still getting some semblance of, you know, it might not be 5G, but like something that they are clearly going to throw a lot of new youthful concepts at the wall. The creative teams are different and exciting and, uh, you know, a little more, maybe not diverse enough yet, but still a little more diverse than it has, than it has been. Like, I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a very acceptable step. Um, and I think like, I know people get mad when things change or things don't look the way that they have in the past or that they necessarily want them to. But like, for me, this is the most exciting part of reading superhero comics, which is the hope that all these new series bring when you look at them and you imagine what they're going to be like. And, you know, inevitably a third of them or half of them let you down. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's just, that's what comics are. But then there's always that one. There's that always that one. Yeah. To be garbage that just blows your brain. Yep. There's one that you yeah. didn't have expectations for that turns out to be really good. And there's always like three or five, three to five that are really good that you stick with and, and you get really invested in. And that's, that's comics. That's the churn of comics. And that's, to me, that's what's good and exciting about them now. As somebody who's read comics now for two decades or whatever it's been. Yeah, I, I, I more or less agree with you guys. Um, I'm wondering what the rollout of the rest of these is going to look like. Because I, I don't think we're ever going to see another thing like the New 52. Where everything stops and relaunches at the same time. I think we're going to see much more of, you know, I got, for instance, I don't know if we've, we may have seen the end of the, the new March books with these titles. I, I tend to think we'll get a few more coming out in March, but I don't know how many more, but you know, we have one in April, the Green Lantern one. I, and I, and we know that there are some books like Justice League Dark, like, um, Legion of Superheroes that are coming, like Batman, that are coming back with the creative teams that left them off the last time we heard from those books in December. So maybe this next batch gets announced, you know, for April. Maybe we get a few more books. I don't know. I, I'm expecting we're going to see new creative teams for the Justice League book. We, we know we're getting Justice League. We know we're getting Superman in action. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a new Flash writer. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if we got, hmm, I, I presume we're getting a new Aquaman team. We have to be. Club, that right? New Aquaman. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if we get a Batgirls book. Agreed. Um, and oh. whether that is whoever, isn't, there's a Batgirls tangential thing in Future State, right? Yes. Written by Josh I Williamson, I believe. No, Josh Williamson uh, did, the, did the story in... Tech ten twenty seven, yeah. Um, interestingly, though, we had heard for a while that James Tynion and Gia March was were going to be doing another Bat book, but uh -huh. March just announced a new written and illustrated book at Image today. 
And so I wonder if that pushes that down the line a little bit. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm excited to see what this all brings, and I can't wait to dig into these stories with you guys. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will do our new comics roundup for November and early December, so stay tuned. Hey, we're Panels in Motion, a monthly podcast where we read a comic, watch its movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. We focus on a wide variety of non-superhero comics. One month will be an American independent comic like The Mask or Kingsman. The next will be a European comic like Persepolis or Tintin. And the next will be a Japanese manga like Lone Wolf and Cub or Silent Voice. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm a cinematographer. So we all have different perspectives on why an adaptation might or might not work. We're also a show where a discussion of Middle East education or the sexual revolution can take place alongside a discussion of the pros and cons of Jim Carrey's face. There is truly something for everyone. So check us out. Go subscribe to Panels in Motion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And follow us at Panels in Motion on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. And we are back. Uh, there were There were a bunch of titles we wanted to talk about. But I think I speak for all of us when I say that there's not one title that felt like we have to sit down and talk about this for an hour. There's just not there's just not that much here that is super discussion worthy, although I think some of this stuff was pretty good and I think some of the stuff was pretty bad as well. That's comics, baby. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the two series that wrapped up. The The first one is um, Aquaman. Now, Zach, you're you're the numbers boy. You're the rain man of, of this group. When did Kelly Sudikana come on this book? What number? Oh, dang it, Brian. Okay, it was... What, Do you have the what answer, number is, is it? Is it in the 40s? I believe it is. I want to say it was like 41 or 42. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I thought he'd just have this ready. I, I, you know, I had it and I closed the, uh, I closed the tab. Uh, 43. <laughs> ah, Joel Vince. <laughs> 43? 43, yes. Okay. So Kelly Sue was on this book for a little bit less than two years. Um, And... There were a couple of issues there she didn't write, correct? There was a... there were there were a few fill-ins. I think actually more so just recently. I think there was a two-issue fill-in arc. Mm-hmm. Yes. Were, were there some some early on in the run too? I don't remember. I don't believe so. I think you're no, right. I think, I think that, was... that was it. I think there were just two issues that were written by Jordan Clark. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. I think I maybe conflated those as being because maybe they were solicited before covid happened i i don't know i can't remember they were and then they were pushed out. yes yeah um so this is written by the aforementioned kelly sudaconic illustrated by miguel mendonca i felt that this was a pretty good wrap-up of her run i think that it tied in just about everything that we saw in the run from their child to the delayed wedding to those new characters that populated the first arc I think that this was a pretty pretty fun but pretty by the numbers um wrap up of the uh of the book. Do you guys agree with that? Um by the numbers in a way that like gave me the warm and fuzzies. Oh yeah, I, I don't you necessarily know? mean that as like a as a harsh criticism, but it seems like it was 
it was relatively well planned out and checking all the boxes. Yes. Man, I did not know that Bogdanovic did an issue in this run. <laughs> Isn't he canceled now? I I don't care. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. I that, I care if he did care. something really bad. I don't know what he did. He's probably just one of those did. free speech guys. Whatever. He probably is. Like, uh... <laughs> I do care when people are do have cancelable offenses. Um. But it's also like the drill tweet. <laughs> Which one? The who can say if it's good or bad. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's 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 canceled for being a, a for ripping off Capullo, but worse. Yes, uh, sure. I'm sorry. I talked for one second. We did not mention that Joel Jones has tweeted about doing a new Wonder Girls series after Future State, but we have no proof of that. Sorry. Oh, we did forget to mention that. Yes. Hey, what are you guys drinking? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, hey, yeah. Zach, why don't you go first? <laughs> little drink roll call here. Uh, for no reason in particular at all. We did not do this for anyone but ourselves. <laughs> um, I'm I'm drinking water and a lukewarm instant coffee that I made right before we recorded because I needed caffeine but didn't want to brew a whole cup of coffee <laughs> or a whole pot of coffee. Vince? Uh, and you know me, I'm gone off of that Crystal Light iced tea right now. <laughs> and I had finished my coffee during the first half of this, but it was decaf coffee that I made today. So I'm trying to drink less caffeine, but I need a little pick-me-up, so I just poured myself my last can of Dr. Pepper slash cream soda. So it's delightful. Nice. Yeah. Is that good, like a, good choices, guys. Is that like a Dr. Pepper branded cream soda? It is. It's Dr. Pepper and cream soda together. Oh, that's wild. It's great. Highly recommended. We'll probably it's probably rotting my teeth as we speak, uh, uh, but you know, delicious. I don't. I don't. The only soda I drink is Baja Blast, and that's only like once or twice a year. <laughs> You're gonna say a week? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um. All right. So anyway, so uh, Zachy Poo, what did you think of the uh, of this issue? It, it was good. I I enjoyed it. So I um I kind of I ducked out on. Uh, Kelly Sue's Aquaman run uh, after the first arc, I think, which was nothing against her. Um, it was actually, I think she, like a lot of other books for me, were a victim of having to tie into the Year of the Villain stuff. I, I dropped a lot of books or stopped following a lot of books when they started going into Year of the Villain, um, when they had that just awful banner running across the top. Really just like, I can't read a book if it's got bad trade dress. <laughs> um <laughs> um so i i didn't read much past that but i really liked that first arc a lot i liked kind of the world building that she did and all of those um kind of like weird mythological sea uh, creature characters that she did and then and then popping in at the end of this it seems like she picks up on a lot of the um you know the threads that abnett was building on with the um what were the different like kind of stratas of of uh societies the, they were like, almost like castes yeah they were they were it was like try they were like try it was triple like the, triad no it wasn't triple tri <laughs> it was like the ninth tried or something like that something weird i remember that and that's where like dolphin and all of the kind of like um i think they call them like sea changed people mm -hmm. um who have kind of like fish like features where, where they live so it seems like they she she kind of picked up some of those threads again, which is very cool. Um, 
I always thought the 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 art style of um, Kelly Sue's run was very interesting. Um, kind of had a bit of like a DC house style to it, but I thought it was always kind of elevated a little bit by the coloring. Yes. Throughout, it kind of had a consistent coloring tone that I really liked. And you Ron see that here. Jr. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And um, so I, I, this is a run I really want to go back and, and check out again. Um, it seems like she did some really interesting things, especially with um, Arthur and Mira and, and you know, giving, having them have a child together. Um, I, I'm kind of sad that I slept on this one for so long. And now that it's over, um, I, I want to go back and check it all out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that this is going to be one of those runs that will feel slightly... I don't want to say dwarf, but Ab- Abnett's run was so much longer, and, and I loved Abnett's run, especially when Sayik joined the book. Just mm-hmm. seemed like that that was a really iconic run, and I feel like this will will be somewhat in the shadow of that. But I think that it works really well in concert, and I feel like what we see next will likely be, just because of the way that things go, will likely be a departure from this stuff. And this feels like a a nice capstone on sixty five issues of of Aquaman. Yes. No. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I think so, and I think I think it's going to be remembered for its its wedding finale because I think those things tend to get remembered that way. But I already saw people on um, Farmers Only uh, talking about <laughs> how much better it was than Tom King's uh, bat bat cat wedding because <laughs> it actually happened. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. So uh, so I do I do think it will be remembered for that, and I think. You know, it's paying off on the promise of rebirth many years afterwards in that way. So, mm-hmm. yes, agreed. All right. The other finale that we got um, in in this week's recap is the uh, the finale to Suicide Squad, which uh, we had last talked about issues seven and eight of Suicide Squad, which was uh, now, you know, some time ago we. Um, so for this, we were at least I I caught up on all the issues. I did not just go back and read the last one, uh, but this is the end of the Tom Taylor run, um, and it's amazing when when this book started, there was this very concerted effort to combine the sort of we were talking about in the first half of the show the the Deadshot and Harley Quinn team with this entirely new team that he was bringing in. But by the end of the book, almost none of the vestiges of that original team were still there, and it was just this revolutionaries team. And I think that's a pretty ballsy thing to do, and I think it totally worked. Uh, we should mention Bruno Redondo did the art for this as well. Um, mm-hmm. What did you guys think of, of these final couple issues? I think it was terrific. I think... Uh... You know, every 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 beat just hit so well. I think the combination of uh, Taylor and Redondo just um, being having Redondo art on every issue of this 
um, was such a, a strong move. And um, yeah, the just... Adriano Lucas colors were really good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just such confident, like just such a confident book all the way through. Like I feel like from the beginning, this book knew exactly what it wanted to be, and it navigated kind of. It navigated kind of having to use what the Suicide Squad was um, with a way to make it feel new, just so confidently from the gate um, that I really hope... I, I think we'll see plenty more of, uh, you know, Wink and some of these other revolutionary characters uh, in the future. I'm sure we will. But, uh, man, I really just wish this run were longer. This, this is the this is the type of book that just deserves to have a nice long run. Yeah. I, um... Just kind of talking about these last few issues in, in general... Um, the, if I was disappointed by anything, I was slightly disappointed by the Ted Cord reveal. Um, it seemed very um obvious, didn't it? Well, not obvious that it, that it was a fake out. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. obvious that yeah, it was yeah, a fake yeah. out. Yeah, I I was really kind of hoping that some like that that it really was Ted Cord, and that Taylor would have like a very surprising reason for it being Ted Cord rather than it just be someone masquerading as Cord. Uh, so I was a little disappointed by that reveal. That said, that issue where it's revealed, the way that it handles the stuff with Deadshot and him, you know, realizing that the Superman is fake and then Taylor actually going through and killing Deadshot um after we had kind of had this like really emotional build up with him and meeting his family and his daughter and all of that stuff i thought i thought that was handled really really well and you know with a book with it being suicide squad a book about the like ever looming chance of death but it also actually like never having any real stakes i thought the way that death was handled over this run was really meaningful and then having the this issue wrap up the way it did with like the personification of death coming and finding out that one of the characters is the son of death is <laughs> uh, <laughs> just really smart and fun and good um uh, yeah it 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 wrapped up a little bit too quickly and cleanly for my taste i think this last issue felt like it you know maybe was a little rushed. I don't know if that's just me reading into it, but it was still really good. And, and I would love to see Taylor return to these characters again in like a, a new book called like the revolutionaries or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, exactly. I, I know what you mean about feeling rushed. It also seems to me like just logically you have very few 11 issue runs. Uh -huh, yeah. And so this might've been just a, you have to wrap up the last two issues in one issue type thing. And I think it definitely reads like that. Um, but I thought that there were a couple of things here. I That scene that Vince mentioned before, I think Vince mentioned, maybe it was Zach, I'm sorry, I can't remember who said it. The Deadshot Superman scene was Zach. incredible. Uh, Zach said it. Sorry, I said Zach. Um, I, I, I think it was pretty easy to spot that wasn't going to be Superman, but the way that Taylor did it was was note perfect. Like there were so many 
really smart little decisions that were made in the scripting of that, whether it's Superman, like, pretending to be using his x-ray vision in ways that couldn't really be challenged, or just the language in which, the language he was using, it was just, it was a really, really well, well illustrated sequence, and even though the death of Deadshot had been teased for a while, it still felt surprisingly, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, it, it didn't feel anticlimactic, nor did it feel shocking. It just, I feel like when it happened, it felt very finite, which is something you guys were saying as well. Just like the, the there is this looming sense of death over this title that rarely gets actually actualized. Actually actualized? Good talking, <laughs> Salvatore. Um, but, you know, and just to see it handled in that way was really really wonderful mm -hmm. yeah and i think like you know we had a there were a lot of meaningful deaths in this book you know we had the the two atlantean twins one of whom died really early and the other twin had to deal with that we had jog who was killed off um and even though he was resurrected it was still i, I don't think it like detracted from the weight of that that death either um and uh yeah, I just it was just like such a smart book, I think, in a lot of ways. Do we see any hope for Taylor returning to these characters in anything more than maybe a, a miniseries somewhere down the road? Well, I do think, you know, there there is the project that he teased with um Bruno Redondo for After Future State. Now, Brian, is that what you're saying when when you say that Tom Taylor is going to be on Justice League, or not necessarily? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So, I mean, the obvious thing is to say that that is a revolutionary's follow up. Um, you know, with Redondo again. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they've maybe they've been given the opportunity to upgrade to Justice League, and and they took it, and and. Yeah, I'm wouldn't sure. It, I'm sure. Be... No matter what, we'll see. We'll see Wink and and uh, Airy again. And yeah, he. I mean, he has already used them in the Hope at World's End series, which I know is a different continuity. But um... I mean, he 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 seems to really care about these characters. Yeah, which he should. They're they're really great. Um. Yeah, I, I wonder if this is a case of just if Taylor is just too valuable to DC right now for them to put him on Suicide Squad, and they wanted to move him up to the the, the big boys table, as it were, mm -hmm. and so that's why he's off the book. Could be. I mean, it's if you ask me, it's been long enough. Um, he's so good. You know the thing too about this book in general is just very satisfying because it, it kind of asks the question of, you know, why don't superheroes do anything effectual in the world? Which is a question that another book that we're going to talk about tonight also does, but that that's coming at it from a completely almost like out of universe perspective. And, and generally the only other times that these kind of questions get asked are in things like the authority, like very kind of like, 
gritty deconstructionist things that take take that question to kind of its dark logical conclusion but this was a lot more hopeful in terms of like the way that it deals with um like real world issues and things so again just it just felt so different than what we're used to i think at least to me Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, this will go down as one of the better Suicide Squads of all time. Mm -hmm. If only we got that full Alish Cot run. I, I, <laughs> I knew one of us was going to bring that up. Uh, all right. Well, let, let's move on from books that wrapped up to uh, a book that is sort of relaunching, and that is Red Hood. Um I believe it's still technically called Red Hood and the Outlaws, but it's basically just Red Hood now, right? And um, this is written by um, Sean Martinborough and illustrated by Tony Akins, who I believe I first came in came to be aware of on his Wonder Woman fill-ins in the New 52. Wasn't mm -hmm. he the main fill-in for Cliff mm -hmm. Chang? Yeah. 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 One of them. It was, it was Akins and... Uh... Uh, Suzuko, Suzuko, yeah, Goran yeah, Suzuko, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so I had not read an issue of Red Hood in quite some time. I know you guys had checked in with number fifty, just to sort of to sort of <laughs> see off uh, your friend and mine, who we will not no, name. Don't, don't say that. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, and so you know, a lot of this. I mean, this wasn't exactly. You know, uh, something so dense that I needed to do a ton of research to get back into it. But it had been a while since I had checked in with this character. And on one hand, I, I can say that this is certainly better than what I presume the last, you know, 15 or so issues under the previous writer were like. On the other hand, I thought this was sort of 20 pages of nothing. Vince, yes. what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I, I will give it points for being different. I think um, for a book that's still ostensibly, for the moment, stars Jason Todd, um, it's doing something that we would not expect, I think, by focusing on... You know, he's almost like, he's kind of like your narrator or your guide through this um, kind of gang war that's going on that really doesn't have much to do with him. And that's a very interesting role for him to be in uh, at this point, given that we've spent the last decade watching him do the, you know, watching him put on this path by Scott Lobdell where these same plot points regarding this, like, secret society he was taken in by, you know, watching it always circle back to that and kind of go in this same very expected sort of uh, pattern. And to break him out of that is interesting. What we got here... I wanted to like it more than I did. I think this idea that, um, you know, post-Joker War, 
there's kind of a turf battle going on and there's this uh, amateur group of very street level heroes who, who they're literally wearing like um, football uniform material with numbers on them to identify them as this like, uh, uh, you know, street street level hero team that's kind of stepping what were you gonna say uh this is where we get the cte story yeah yes finally <laughs> finally cte comes to batman i knew it um no but like like i i do think that's an interesting angle and i think i think jason todd's like thus far passive role in all of this is kind of interesting but then i then i'll say that like this instagram influencer shoe designer guy who who makes like clothing or footwear based on based on gotham uh, villains or whatever i i immediately hate this character <laughs> and i think that i he's what? called the white kanye you hate this character <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um isn't the white kanye just kanye now yeah. um yeah no, I'm no. Uh, uh, I just I think you're supposed to dislike him. Um, I think you're supposed to kind of find him annoying, but like I just can't tell you how annoying I find him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. The jury's kind of still out on this for me. I, I know it didn't. The Tony Aikens art is quite nice. I think like. I like Aikens quite a bit. Um, and I think there's something here. I just think it's, I think it's too early to tell. It, it didn't immediately grab me in the way that I would expect. Um, yeah, most, mostly just because I, I don't like the, the villains at all yet. And I think, you know, you, you kind of want to at least be interested in what the villains have going on. And I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I agree um, with all the things that you said, and I don't have a lot more uh, a lot more to say about it other than there is that off uh, kind of off the cuff reference that I mentioned earlier about Batman doing something like 20 years ago, indicating that like he's been Batman for over 20 years. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Jason kind of while back in his apartment and how many years was it like 13, I think. Something yeah, like that. Even that's a, a big deal in terms yeah. of timeline. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, th this was um, this is relatively inoffensive. You know, uh, like Vin said, the villains are not very interesting yet, and so that is that is part of the issue here. But I think part of it is also that what what made Jason Todd interesting when he was initially brought back. Was that he was, he was one of the characters that was never going to come back, right? It was like Uncle Ben and Jason Todd, were the two that were always talked about as as never returning, and you know, breaking that taboo was was something that that carried the character for a little while there, and giving him the outlaws in the New Fifty Two felt like. It was something a little bit different as well, even though I didn't particularly care for most of that. You know, it, it at least it was trying to give Jason an identity that wasn't just the formerly dead Robin. 
The problem is nothing new has been done with the character since then. And even that wasn't done very well. So even though this doesn't particularly feel like the old Red Hood series, there's just nothing new being said here. They need to find something to do with Jason that feels unique to Jason. And I don't know what that is. But I'm not writing Red Hood, so I don't have to. I do wonder if Josh Williamson writing Red Hood as part of Future State will lead to anything. Mm. All right, I have stunned you with silence, so let me uh, move on to the next book here. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it in the Bat family for just a, a little while here, and we'll talk about Batman Catwoman number one. Uh, this is, of course... Written by Tom King, illustrated by Clayface. I mean Clay Man, um, and no, the Clay faces are the faces in this book. Oh, there it is. This book is maddening and boring at the same time. Yeah, I thought was was hard to do, but apparently it's not. Um, there is this device that King uses throughout of shifting timelines in between panels. And I understand what what that was supposed to do to the reader. It was supposed to disorient the reader to a certain degree. And it does. Successful. But, yes. Mission accomplished. <laughs> but I don't believe it adds anything to the story. No. Oh, you're shitting me. <laughs> like... There one, are... one could also say one could almost say it takes away from the story that it detracts from whatever is is actually happening there. Sure, um, you know I I will give King the benefit of the doubt in this way. I feel like there are there are lots of comics that could use a disoriented approach and it would make a lot of sense, but this is not one of those comics. Um. Almost nothing happens in this book. And yet the main thing that happens is insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you, is, is why that don't a you speak on that? Well, okay, so the book is taking place in three different timelines. Like the aforementioned uh, Thor God of Thunder series, second reference of today. Uh, one of which is when Batman is, or, or Bruce rather, is a younger man and he is Borking Phantasm. Uh, the other timeline seemingly is modern times, uh, but, you know, continuity is a mess, so who knows what that really means. But it's Batman and Catwoman in the post-Tom King Batman status quo. And then we get this third timeline, which takes place at some point in the future, and is is happening right after Bruce Wayne dies. Or at least Bruce Wayne it, it is it is told by Selina to a character we'll get to in a second that Bruce is dead. Which I don't know if you guys remember there was that Batman annual issue in Tom King's run that's um famously the only issue of Tom King's Batman that I will say that I liked and that was about Bruce dying when mm -hmm. when they were older. So I wonder if this is like a follow up to that continuity. 
I don't even or remember to that, that issue. to that timeline. Oh, it was it was good. It had uh, Lee it Wing's was, art. Yeah, and Duke. What Duke was uh, gonna marry? What's her name? Gotham Girl, right? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. They were like and, st- they were standing at Bruce's grave, I think. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and Hel- Helena was in it. Their their daughter Helena. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah. So uh, in this in this third timeline. Selena goes to this dude's house to tell him that Bruce has died. And wouldn't you know it, it's the dang Joker. God, what? And, Can you do that? <laughs> buddy, they won't even let me. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, it, it, he's, it's like a, he's like a, a dorky old, like, <laughs> fuddy-duddy now, of course. Like... He's just but some it, normal but guy. Guys, though. Well, yes, but I feel like he's dressed. Presumably, he's been living that way, kind of. Yeah, I yeah. feel like he's dressed the way a character in Ocean's Eleven would dress if he was trying to pose as an old man. <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, and then he he tries to bite Selena's neck. Because apparently he's still evil or whatever, even though they're <laughs> hugging and crying over Bruce's death. But the end but of an she's era. also but but she also is like there to kill him. Yes. It's um, like Bruce is dead. Now I can kill you. Yeah. Mm. What the fuck is this shit, guys? I'm just sick of the. I mean, I'm not going to talk too much because I, I will go off on a rant. Everyone knows how I feel at this point. I say this exact same thing every time. <laughs> All I'm going to say is <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to like this from the first page, which features Selena singing Silent Night Yep. for no reason. Or well, for the, the, or, the, or, the name of the issue. Yes. For or, no reason. <laughs> or for the reason that Tom King thinks is a reason, which is, isn't it twisted to have one of the characters laconically singing a song as they go about their whatever task. Isn't it twisted to have Selena singing silent night as she's going to go off to kill the joke or whatever, you know, it's just supposed to, it's supposed to add some kind of cool dramatic tension to everything. I think it's the same shit that (laughs) I've been, I've been ranting about this on farmers only, uh Fargo on FX the creator of that same creator uh, of the Marvel Legion show that was on FX he's always got his characters like whistling a song or singing a song or reciting a poem and it's always supposed to be this like dramatic tension breaker because like oh how can this twisted killer be singing a Christmas carol <laughs> you know it's the same trick that he uses, like, he's used it like a dozen times now. It's his signature. And I'm just so tired of the same thing with this guy. It was used once well, which was in the Omega Men. There was that song. I don't even know if it was. Can we go back? No. And- because it was new. It, it, yeah, it was- I, don't th- I think if we went back to that, it would be so painful and cringy. I've thought about that so many times because it's like... The bits got... and pieces I remember of the song, it was 
I think it would be bad, and I'm never going to read that again. But you it just got to leave it in the past. Yes. And it, it's good in the past. It is good in the past. But also, it was the first time we'd seen that sort of thing. So it was novel. It did feel novel and new at that point. Now, every Maybe. time. I don't know. In my mind, anytime Tom King has a character singing, I if I try to think back on it, it's just them singing that's Amore every time. So. <laughs> <laughs> what was it's, the song you replaced that some with that some more? I, 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 it was, I can't remember. It was that some more now. Yeah, but, but, but what, what, what was the song friend, they were singing in the book? I can't tell you. I literally can't tell you. I'm literally, I'm thinking about Omega Men now, and Kyle Rayner is going around singing <laughs> that some more. He's like carving the lantern symbol into his chest while yeah. singing that some more. <laughs> Yeah. When the moon hits Zanshi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this sucks, guys. <laughs> this is bad. Yeah, I mean... It's also I, not surprising in any way. There is nothing in this book that felt new or interesting or unexpected it I think, all feels exactly like you thought it was going to feel right right and can i just I, i'll i'll admit this i'll i'll give this isn't even giving tom king credit but what i'm gonna say is i'm just predisposed not to like this and and because it's because every choice he makes is such a similar choice to a choice he's made before I'm I'm especially predisposed not to like it. You know, if if there are people that like the kind of thing that he does and he just does the same sort of thing over and over again, that's great. That's fine. More power to you. I I think I can't even tell whether something that he writes is good or bad anymore because I'm just I'm seeing all the ticks. I'm seeing the gears turning behind the work. And I just can't appreciate it anymore. Um, for all I know, this this could be this is probably better than a lot of his Batman was, but I wouldn't be able to recognize that. You know, I think the jumping between timelines is such a. Cl- I feel like when he was writing that, he was quite literally jacking off about how smart he was. <laughs> And it just, it's confusing, and it doesn't add anything to the story, and it's distracting, and I I just, I I cannot imagine thinking that it was anything other than just such unbridled bullshit. It's just terrible. I can't imagine that being good. Again, like, remember when we all thought that Tom King was going to write a story about Batman having CT? Again, we referenced that earlier tonight. Um... But I feel like when we were talking about that, if there was a Batman book where he was seemingly unstuck in his own memory, jumping between timelines, we saw how confused he was. There'd be a purpose for that in this proposed CTE book, right? But this isn't that. There's no there's no in-story reason for this, aside from Tom King thinks it would be cool. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I, I'm not even, I'm not even really disoriented by it. I'm just tired of. It's the same trick. 
that's not even that's not even a trick. I I don't know. You wouldn't say this was the Joker's trick? It was not not the Joker's trick. But biting Selena's neck is one hell of a Joker's trick, though. I can picture the Joker baby doing that. <sighs> let's move on. Let's move on. So uh, let's briefly touch on this. There, there was just a, one of these uh, DC anthologies that come out seasonally. Uh, one was called DC's Very Merry Multiverse. It came out this past week. And Zach suggested we read uh, the story that introduces Teen Justice, which is the Earth-11 uh, Teen Titans. Now, is Earth-11... I know we've seen it referenced in things like the guidebook, and we've seen little scenes set there before. Have we ever got an issue or a story of this length on Earth-11 before? I don't think so. We've like seen different characters obviously come into things. Like I think particularly the Aqua Woman has been in a lot of the Justice Incarnate stuff. The Carol Ferris is in um, uh, the Green Lantern right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly Morris and things. <laughs> we've seen <laughs> these characters in Morris and things. Um, but I don't know that we've had like a you know post fifty two incarnation of dc like on this earth yeah i don't think i think this is probably the most time we've spent yeah with with any of this and for those that aren't aware this is the gender swapped earth where all of the female characters are male or the the, the traditionally female characters are presented as male and vice versa with the exception of well and yeah (laughs) yep who is still jesse quick but she is like the but main she, flash. But she's the flash, yes, exactly. And it's kind of the same Carol is also still a woman, but she is like the Green Lantern figure on the Justice <laughs> yes. League. So it kind of like plays a little fast and loose with some of it. Yes. Um yeah. Uh but Zach, tell us why you wanted to talk about this this story. Well, so this story, um uh written by Ivan Cohen and illustrated by Eleonora Carlini introduces the new flash character that's going to be featured in future's end not future's end <laughs> future state future's um, end baby uh in the justice league um so this is the non-binary uh flash character who we've seen on like some of the promotional materials and they are a part of this uh group called teen justice which is like the earth 11 version of the teen titans um made up of some really great characters um we have talia uh, Wayne, who is the daughter of Ali Al Ghul, um, and and um, no, she's not Wayne. She's Kane. She's Talia she's Kane. Kane. Talia Kane. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Um, and there's kind of like a a fun super daughters uh, dynamic between her and Laurel Kent, who is the Supergirl figure. Um, there's the the niece of Jesse Quick. There's a uh, gender swap version of Clarion. Um, just a lot of like fun. I I just I just love multiverse stories. It, it, everyone should take a minute and go read this anthology because it's all different multiverse stories with actually like really good creative teams. Um, this one this one stands out though because of the tie-in or the connection to Future State. Um, but 
yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Um, some of the other like fun ones that stand out, there's a really good President Superman one by David Walker and Gustavo Duarte. There's a great Batman Beyond one by Derek Fridolfs and Dustin Wynn. Um, that I want them to be on a on a Batman Beyond book. Um, Sholly Fish does a uh, League of Shadows, which is um, Earth 13, the one with the supernatural versions of all of the characters with Vanessa Del Rey on art. Mm. Um, there's some really wild stuff in this issue. Steve Lieber does a Harley Quinn that's not like particularly great but it, it looks really good um yeah it was a fun anthology we've mentioned on the show recently how dc is seemingly getting better at these anthologies and this seems to fall right into line with that yeah i think it's a great concept for um for an issue too like zach said that's it's it's a multiverse kind of tour and I think, you know, I think that is more rich territory to mine that hasn't been mined. I think the I think the worst uh, of these anthology books take characters that we've already had plenty of stories with. And because it's an anthology and it can't really do that substantial of a story, it doesn't really show us anything new. Whereas I feel like this is showing us all new stuff or variations of things and mm-hmm. I think uh, I think there's something to that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that this was a lot of fun. I have not read any of the other stories in this anthology yet. I, I plan on doing that. But this was a, a really fun story. And, and I think that one of the things that makes it so enjoyable is that if you're a longtime DC fan, there's a lot of references and in-jokes that you will get here. But if you were a new reader coming into this, I don't think there's too much in here that you'd be like unsure of or flummoxed by. And so it does the thing that more comics should do, which is that it gives us a story that satisfies sort of both half of the of the seemingly uh, we we hear about new readers and stuff like that. I don't I don't know how much of that's actually ever ever bears out but it gives it gives a story that is both new reader friendly and fun for the longtime fan yeah agreed all right uh moving on from that we have a couple more books to talk about Should we talk about endless winter first or the other history of the dc universe first i have more to say about other history than endless right. winter so let's fly through endless winter then yeah uh, Endless Winter is the uh, the December event for DC Comics that we are seeing uh, weekly. We are just going to be talking about the uh, the first issue, the DC uh, the the Justice League Endless Winter Special, rather. Uh, when we when this event was announced, I think all of us were pretty uh, surprised by the writing team of Ron Mars and Andy Lanning. But Ron Mars and Andy Lanning, uh, I, I think, do a pretty fair job here, along with some really good art by uh, your friend and mine, Howard Porter, as well as there's a flashback sequence illustrated by Marco Santucci. Um, I thought that this issue 
is clearly spinning its wheels for the first half or so of it, and then gets interesting in the last two pages. Uh, or it's really interesting last two pages, but but it's relatively inoffensive throughout. Yeah, I think the the bit with Barry was really annoying. I thought and went nowhere. Yeah, where he he he's essentially just asking each member of the Justice League individually while they're like doing something how they balance their like basically work life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. how they do work-life balance it's just like barry read the room a little <laughs> bit come on um, yeah it's funny because i i thought that kind of stuck out like a sore thumb too because of because of how many times he keeps going back to it it, it it's but but i will say that that moment was responsible for one of my favorite scenes which is when uh Black Lightning and his family are decorating the tree and yeah. Barry stops in with him. So like Yeah. Well it, it made sense there too a yes. little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't see necessarily how that has anything to do with the rest of the story being told here. <laughs> uh but may, maybe I'll be proven wrong in subsequent weeks. Um I actually think uh, if you'll allow me to interject uh, sure, one more time of course. here. I actually think I mean, I mean, maybe they do have a greater purpose for it within the story that we'll find out later. Um, we just don't know yet. But I think what it serves to do a lot in the context of the greater DCU is kind of reestablish that even though this Endless Winter story kind of feels like it's just out there in limbo, they really do talk about a lot of the things that have gone on in the DCU lately relationship wise with Superman and, and Lois and John and with Arthur and Mira. So like the flash running around doing that maybe indirectly serves to at least touch on all these different things that were going on in these other books. And we, we know that people like to see, you know, Oh, they're referencing things that are happening in other books. You know, this is, giving some illusion that this all weaves in together into some sort of timeline. Well, that said, <laughs> right. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Superman mentions two things that I think happened at very different points in, in recent time, which is once he says like, it's so hard with John and Jor-El out there exploring the universe like that. that so I ended think a long time ago. And then he talks about the, the uh, destruction of the fortress of solitude, which moved to the Bermuda triangle. I, I think those are two different things. I, th- I think he said, like, he says, like, Jarrell, John being so far gone. I think he, I, it's weird that he mentions Jarrell there because Jarrell is, like, dead. But I think he's talking about John, like, being in the future. Sure. Okay. That's how I read that. Is it, it, is it is weird that he mentions Jarrell. That's, like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's not, also, not that important. You know, no, it's not it's not important at all. <laughs> yeah, but, it's not. Uh, um, but that's OK. You know. Um, but yeah, I I really like the team that's established in those last two pages. So in the last two pages, we see uh, a flashback to I believe it's the 10th century in Egypt. And we see uh, the wizard Shazam awakening black adam because he is needed 
and we see Black Adam is to be teaming up with some sort of uh, old version of Swamp Thing, with Hippolyta, and with the Viking Prince, who's a, a mostly forgotten DC character, which actually debuted in the Brave and the Bold number one for DC. Uh, it's To me, it's a really fun team that I would never have put together, but I love these stories of sort of the the incarnations of, of these faux Justice Leagues over time. And you guys know me. Add Black Adam to something I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of the last couple of pages of this? Same. Yeah. Just, I, I think, I think this should more or less be the model for, um, because if we're right that going forward, post future state, DC is going to be publishing a lot less uh, volume, probably focusing on Batman a lot more. And maybe future state is already, already has signs that it's doing this, but I think, you know, including this character in this event, it's it's like it's like sneaking something past the the top brass at DC, right? <laughs> it's like it's like sneaking something that would that that shouldn't work. Um, and I think they sh- I think they should try to do that whenever they can. I think like pairing some of your bigger characters with these obscure characters from DC's history to keep them around is a really intriguing way again as we mentioned earlier in the in the episode it's a way of having your cake and eating it too and i like that yeah this also seems like a very very ron mars decision like, <laughs> uh, ron mars is a guy who likes like he, he he wrote uh a john carter of mars series for dynamite he seems he seems to like your uh your dudes carrying big swords type characters and so it makes total sense that he is um, he was the, maybe he was the one pushing for Viking Prince to return, um, but yeah, I, I'm far more interested in that part of the story than I am anything else. But it should be fun. It's fine. Yeah. All right, and so that brings us to our our last book of the week, and this is a book that was first announced. Gosh. Was at least a year ago, if not more, correct? Mm, yeah, I I think even well, I can't I can't remember how early Uncle Rich had this. Very early, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it is the other history of the DC Universe, number one, written by John Ridley, illustrated by Giuseppe Camoncoli. And Zach had referred to this in in Lad's chat as somewhat of a novel, and he he's not wrong. This is the most text heavy DC comic in quite some time. Have either of you guys ever read? I believe it's Wolfman Perez. It came out. It is right, Wolfman Perez. Yep. Right after uh, Crisis, the yeah, yeah. Obviously, this the is history refer- of the yeah. Yes, this yeah. is this is his this is referencing that not just in title but in sort of application as well. This is even wordier than that, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. This, so, I said that, I, I didn't necessarily mean it in a negative way. Oh, no, I, I didn't think you did. Yeah. It, the thing about this is, like, this is the thing in comics that I generally hate, which is just a comic that is all narration. But 
it is aping that history of the DCU. You know, it's it's doing that. Mm-hmm. And this isn't so much a it's not a normal comic that's just doing tons and tons of narration boxes you know it's right this is the comic like this is the bit and um so i don't i don't hold it against it as much for that reason yeah it's i feel the exact same way uh if you were to ask me what my preferred style of comic booking is it's not this um stylistically um but because it's trying to do the thing that the history of the dc universe did um you know i i have to give it a break because it is doing that thing and i think it's doing it well and i will say that even if the style isn't my preferred style of comic book storytelling i think this is fantastically told I think for, for what this is, for the style it is, I, I think it does such a great job of taking you through kind of the Black Lightning DC, across DC Comics meta narrative and imbuing it with meaning and um, even even creating conflict between him and other characters that you wouldn't necessarily espe- expect and points of view on other characters like like John Stewart that I'm not sure I've seen before. And how often does that happen, you know? Uh, so I think it's really well done, even if it's a style that I don't tend to prefer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is, um, this is really good. Um, it I don't I really don't know what else to say about it other than it's just it's probably like the most concise Black Lightning work. I like this is like the definitive Black Lightning comic now. Mm-hmm. Um and just what it's doing even like that it's good on that level, but like what it's doing beyond that is also extremely good. Um. Yeah, I. Yeah, John Ridley walks a fine line here. Yeah. On on one hand, I think that there is a stereotype of Black Lightning, especially early Black Lightning stories, being um borderline exploitation stories at times, and I feel like. The book here takes great lengths to show both his his good qualities as well as his his bad qualities, and does so in a very measured way. And any time that the book starts to slip into what you think, anytime it starts to slip into something you've seen before, it takes a turn that removes it from that and places it someplace entirely new. Yes, well said. And because of that anything that might that might read less generously from a storytelling perspective is usually quickly re- remedied there's very few instances in this where i felt like i i saw the turn coming in the way that ridley presented it 
And the last thing I will say about this for right now is that I, I, mean, I think we've all praised Kevin Coley's art before, but that motherfucker is a chameleon in this book. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And manages to do all sorts of really, really good work while being stylistically similar to the work he's referencing, but not being a tracing copy of it. Um, yep. If if you yeah. just showed me this book sans credits, I would have thought there were four or five pencilers on this book. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I agree. When it really hit home for me um, was like in the outsiders section. Um, and God, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to forget who the artist was on that mid eighties outsiders. Um, Is it Jim Aparo? Yes. Thank you. It was Aparo. And again, like, like you said, it's not a copy of Aparo, but it's, it's close. It, it apes the style. It's not Cam and Coley. I mean, it is Cam and Coley, but it's not his style. It's, it's bordering on the Aparo style that that book was drawn in for so long, you know? Yeah. And um, that's when it really hit me because I just recently read some of those Outsiders issues. And, um, yeah, it's wildly good in that regard. Um, And then just before I forget, something else you said, Brian, about how when you think the book is going to take an expected turn or a wrong step, and then it, you know, by the end it, it turns that on its head that's kind of what I was referencing with the um, the John Stewart thing, because yep. when he talks about when he first saw John Stewart and he thought that John Stewart came off as arrogant and above everyone else. And as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, I'm thinking many things, but, but my initial thought was, okay, I, I don't really think that that's John Stewart in my mind. But but I can see why um, Black Lightning in this case would feel that way. And then when they get towards the end of the issue and they explain why Jon Stewart comes off that way, then it gives it this totally other dimension. And all of that worked really beautifully for me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Jefferson... Pierce, Black Lightning is a really nuanced character through this. He's not always like sometimes it's very much of like a roller coaster of a read as you're going through his narration because I feel like sometimes you are on his side and you're rooting for him and you are you're sympathizing with him, but then other times, like like you said, Vince, kind of with the John Stewart thing or like the bit with his student who he had kind of um, you know written was extremely like tough on and, and kind of his justification for that. And then the, like the follow-up when he, he sees them, sees him again when he's growing up all of that time, Mm -hmm. you know, you're seeing him in a much less flattering light. Um, But it, but it's all very, it's just a really, he's just a really fleshed out character in this, Uh, like a very complex character. Yeah. That was my favorite sequence actually the sort of the meeting with that student because Ridley doesn't lay out for you exactly why that student doesn't like him. 
and I think that's important. I think it's important to let to let the reader put that together for themselves. And I also think that it shows that Jefferson, while his heart is in the right place, is an imperfect character. So many times the Jefferson Pierce story is about the super teacher. I mean, even recently in the Batman the Outsiders thing, like the reason Batman drafts him to be the leader of the Outsiders in the rebirth incarnation is because he's known as his fantastic teacher. So to show him failing at that, but not failing at that because he's a bad teacher. Like, I think that's, I don't quite know how to state this, but I think it's very important to show that good people with good intentions doing the right thing still don't work out sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that there's not mm-hmm. a perfect fit. Like, a good teacher doesn't always work for every student. I thought all of that was handled really, really well. Yeah, definitely. Oh, by the way, he, John Ridley does accomplishes all of that without making this feel too edgy. You know, like it would be so easy to do this story and have there be like several points throughout it where you're going, ah, they're just, they're just doing that to be edgy or they're just, you know, they're, they're taking this idea and they're going a little too grim with it or a little too, uh, extreme or whatever and even though it's a black label book and they're he's given a a longer leash with things like language it's not edgy and over the top in in a way where like he's reaching to create something edgier or darker or grimmer than it is and he easily could have done that agreed um I'll also say, I, I guess I'm a dumbass that I never thought that this would... Even though the title is the other history of the DC Universe and there's the history of the DC Universe, I did not think for whatever reason that this was going to be as structurally similar to the original series. Uh, just because I don't think that original series is all that well-remembered. I don't mean that if people don't like it, but it's not something you see all the time, right? Like, it's... It's mm-hmm. not a book that's ever discussed as being super important. And so I'm surprised that DC chose to sequelize it in this way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting too. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting it either, except that there was... I forget if it was Bleeding Cool or if it was Newsarama. It was one of the... It wasn't our site. <laughs> um, uh, but... One of the sites was like, Cam and Coley's the artist on this, but it is not a sequential. They made a point of saying in, in one of these news articles that it's not, it's going to be prose with art. And at that point, I realized, oh, okay, they're going for a history of the DC Universe thing. Mm-hmm. But you're right. When it was first announced, even with that title, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. I We probably should have been. <laughs> You know, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but, oops. Um, but no, I, I thought this was just a, a really, really well done, interesting, exciting story. Do we know how many issues it's going to be? I uh, Three or four? I think maybe four. Yeah. I For some reason, I thought four, but... but these black label minis have been doing the three issue thing. And so I guess I'm not sure. Right here. Yeah. I, I thought you. four as well. Um, 
Because the other history, I believe, is only two. I mean, the, the history is only two, correct? Yeah, yes. That's only two. And I wonder, and I haven't looked, and I, I haven't on purpose, What? Wh- who's the next issue focus on? So... I don't is even it, know if the next um, one's been solicited yet. It, I don't think it has. I know... Okay, so this this okay. It's five issues. Um, oh, wow! Five issues. At least that was in the like official DC press announcement back in August. Mm-hmm. Um, so that listed as five issues. Do you want to know who the other issues are going to be about? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the series centers around Jefferson Pierce, his daughter Anissa, uh, Mal Duncan, his wife Karen Beecher. Renee Montoya and Tatsu Yamashiro, who is oh. Katana. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm down for this. I'm I'm convinced. Yeah. So I imagine based on that, we didn't get a lot of Anissa in this issue. So I wonder if maybe she'll get her own issue. I figure Mal wasn't Duncan this, and Karen will be an issue. Wasn't this? Uh, let me look at the, the the first page of the book. Wasn't didn't this say like nineteen seventy whatever to nineteen ninety five? Uh huh. Like the first. This was just like the first half of the Black Lightning story. Hmm. Maybe so. Yeah. I I just I took that as maybe like that's just showing like the time frame that it works in. But yeah, maybe maybe there will be more. Or maybe that maybe there will be a bit more overlap. You know, maybe it's not just like each issue is a different character. Maybe, you know, we saw Katana in this. Maybe next issue we'll have more with Katana right. and and Anissa. Um, I could see it like wrapping up with Renee Montoya because she would kind of come on the scene a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I just think this is this is a fascinating project for DC because on one hand it is a clear reference to something from the past, but on the other, it seems like we've never really seen something like this before. Yeah, and that's great. That's that's what comics should be. I also don't know how long it will take to get all five issues of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, the initial thing said that it will ship bi-monthly, but I, I don't think we've even had the second issue solicited yet. Let's see. I'm looking it up. Uh, oh no! It it's, looks like it was solicited. Okay, it wasn't on DC's website. Uh, January twenty-sixth. Okay, so the, it's on schedule then. And it's 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 apparently the cover features. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, Mal Duncan and uh, and Bumblebee. And Bumblebee, yeah, hmm. yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and but and then it says in this it's it's set in the seventies at least in some parts. So it does seem like each issue is not it's not telling like a chronological history right at least not yet maybe each of those four characters will have their own book and Mm -hmm. the fifth one will be where they all intersect intersect that'd be interesting um 
But yeah, it really interesting, really, really good book. And yes. I can't wait to see more of it. Indeed. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, this was a long episode, but we had a lot to talk about, uh, both for the sort of new status quo stuff as well as for the uh, these new comics roundups. This will be our last new comics roundup for a while because we have uh, a few weeks of of we we have two more books in our uh crisis management series we have a death metal check-in and then we are into future state and off and running so cannot wait to get into all that stuff with you guys um next week we are welcoming our friend walter richardson onto the show to discuss death of the new gods an event i have never read a page of so <laughs> i am very interested to dive into this uh have you boys read this event before Mm-hmm. I, have. I have I have not. Okay, so two of us will have read it, and two of us will have not, because Walt has read it before, and so uh, this is the last one I haven't read. I think. Uh, same. I don't know if I've read all. Like, I have no. I haven't read Legion of Three Worlds. Um, so yeah. All right. Uh, if you need to get in touch with us, two thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian Inzanap, and I am at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, you know that he's over at Farmers Only. What you may not know is that he is doing this new thing every day where he is picking a different song to sing throughout the day on Farmers Only, and it really adds a level of dread and just edginess to his day over there. What is Silent Night. I was going to say, well, what is tomorrow's song going to be? Oh, it's uh, it's Leonard Cohen's uh, Hallelujah oh. in, honor of, in honor of Zack Snyder. I'm actually going to sing that every day now. Oh, okay. Did you okay. see that? Um, you know, Bob Dylan sold his uh, all his music to it's, uh, it's Universal. Yes, yes, it's publishing. Yeah, whatever. What, I don't... It was all anyone could talk about on Farmers Only today. It, it's yeah, not. The, right. It's not exactly his music. But okay, go ahead. Did you know that? Did you know that Warner Brothers was in on that, but they couldn't afford it because they had already spent all their money on Leonard Cohen's. Is that true? No, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a Snyder cut joke. I know it's not a joke, but. but but it could be true. Like we're we're living in a world where that could also be true. It's not. They yeah they they fired um, a Mark Doyle so they could afford the Leonard Cohen song. Well, they had to so that Snyder could keep putting Hallelujah in his trailers. That so, you know that trailer got taken down and he went to them and he was like, I need you to add on more money to the Justice League budget. So yeah, that... let's let's cut some fat around here. Yeah. Uh, Comics. Who reads them? Yeah. Can't wait to have to watch that for this show. <laughs> I actually can't wait. I'm very, I'm excited about it. Are we uh, gonna do? A, are we gonna do a goof 'em up cast on that? Of course, we're gonna do a goof 'em up cast on that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Duh. Man, we should make people pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that HBO Max has decided people shouldn't pay for movies, but what we're saying is people should pay for our takes on movies. Oh, uh, well, they should pay a monthly subscription. Got That's it. right. Okay. That's yeah. right. All right. Thanks for listening. And only this, during but... these trying times. Okay. We'll That's go right. back to normal later. Yeah. <laughs> Once we have our live show at the Smod Castle, we'll expect <laughs> folks to uh, come out to that and to <laughs> cancel their uh, subscription. That's a joke for two people who are both on this call. Uh, Stugans. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Bye. <laughs>
I pull up the Wii. In front of your kids? 